In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi everybody, I'm Chad Bogleman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 305. That's right. We are catching up on Green Lanterns, the title. Uh, we will be talking about Green Lanterns number 32, which is the final issue of Sam Humphrey's run on the book. And then Green Lanterns 33 and 34, which is the first two-issue story arc of the new creative team with Tim Seeley. How was your Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> and no, we're not looking for filler immediately. Uh, it was it was okay, all things being equal. How about yours? It was good. It was good. I got a lot of comic book stuff. Uh, it's funny. I, I posted about this on Facebook the other day, but uh, or today, I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it was beginning of this beginning of December ish, like the eighth or so. I was doing research because you know we were talking about like you know it'd be cool to see some more Alien Lanterns featured. So I used Metafil. As a reference, so like, well, when, when have we seen Metaphil and other major issues? And there was an issue during Alan Moore's Swamp Thing run, <laughs> so I was like, all right, that's interesting. So I read up on that story, and I was like, I guess I got to find that issue. And then I was like, all right, well, it sounds like this is part of an arc, though. Swamp Thing in space doing stuff about, on various planets. That's kind of intriguing. What are these other stories? Oh, that's interesting. All right, what's the arc before that? <laughs> so, long story short, Alan Moore's The Saga of the Swamp Thing. <laughs> <laughs> entire run ends up on my wish list and q2 today less than a month later i now have volumes one through five <laughs> on my shelf <laughs> i'm still it's missing good to six say you're not an easy mark chad <laughs> that's right <laughs> i still still missing uh, ironically i'm still missing volume six which is the volume that collects the run, <laughs> the story arc that had the Green Lantern Metaphil appearance in it that got me interested in, in the first place. But whatever. <laughs> Beggars can't be choosers, and somebody spent a lot of money to get me all these books. <laughs> uh, so that that was funny. Um, oh, and guess who finally sent me some stuff that he's yeah, been <laughs> hanging on to all these years? Yeah, I know, because I, I got a box, too. So. <laughs> He threw in a couple of extra goodies, I think. So, yeah, it was it was a surprise. It was it was very very generous of him. Absolutely, Thank Jim you, Ford Jim. is such a <laughs> he's such a good guy. Uh, all right, so this is the last episode of 2017. So uh, we're gonna close it out right <laughs> by saying goodbye to Sam Humphreys. <laughs> Maybe we should have just we should have just let the Star Wars one stand alone. Maybe. 
All right, man, you're you're taking uh, 32 because I deemed it so. Well, I was thinking. Well, see, I wasn't. Even- I wasn't really gonna even point the finger at you. I was gonna say I kind, I kind of, I got this issue because essentially I was asking for it from the perspective of I just really didn't feel like doing two of the three issues this this episode. So I just pretty much said whichever one you don't want, I'll take. So of course, logically, the one I would, I would, I would get, I would have handed off to me would be uh, 32, which, you know, it is it is it the most horrible issue we've ever read? No, but is it like Earth-shatteringly interesting. No, <laughs> it's it's certainly a really odd way to end the store, end the run. I would say, um, it's almost it's almost like well, it's like the timing just worked out where there wasn't any there. He was kind of like, and it really isn't time to do another arc because I already planned on wrapping up the previous arc with the issue before, and I, so I'll just do kind of like oh, a, a quote-unquote feel-good issue and then walk out the door. <laughs> Whether we feel good about it is a whole other story. <laughs> uh, I, I have the variant cover on this one. The Jessica with Simon's foot in it? Assuming it's his foot, yeah. <laughs> I think it was... Um, I wasn't going, going there. I just mean I wouldn't have even assumed it was a body part, in all honesty. I just would have thought like it was some kind of construct or something. But Does the regular one match up with this? Uh, the regular one is uh, Simon and Jessica in the center of a party and then uh, lighting up as green lanterns with the energy swirling around them. So where does the rest of Simon with his foot match match this cover with something? Is it, is it another issue's variant cover? Or is it just like- I don't think so. I don't think it's next issue's variant or last no, issue's variant. No, it's not next issue's variant because I, I actually have the variant for 33 too. Only 34 I have the standard cover on. So, Let me know. pull up 31 to see if that was a variant for 31. <clears throat> yeah, I don't. I'm gonna have to scoot backwards a bit here. Let's see here. A little bit of a lag on this little Amazon fire, but given the uh, amount of money I spent on it, that's completely acceptable. NBC. Nope. Uh, the variant for 31 was. The one with Simon uh, with all the rings on it. All right, so, so I guess there was no logical reason why I would have naturally assumed it was his foot. <laughs> I guess it kind of looks like a foot, but it could, but who the hell knows. <laughs> Stop digging yourself into this hole. Just, just recap this. I, I think I could, <laughs> if it was something else, I probably could. I don't know. <laughs> all right, let's jump into this uh, grand finale of Green of Green Lantern Thirty Two. Where's the creative team in the back page? Yes, it is. So let's go through that stuff first. House Party. Uh, cute little, little graphic there, too. Uh, Humphreys, the writer. Uh, Godlewski. Is the, Scott Godlewski is the artist. Wi-Fi colors. Dave Sharp letters. Uh, Federici and Moray did the cover. Brandon Peterson did the variant cover. Uh, Marino Cotton and uh, Chad's favorite, Eddie Braganza, are the editors. So we begin in Portland, Oregon, with uh, Jessica and Simon kind of like dealing, I guess, with the fallout from their from their great Voltum adventure. Uh, Jessica's been sleeping for like th- like what 30 hours straight, and she's still tired. So they're doing whatever they. Well, it's kind of like a almost. It's it's like a running gag. It's like they always. It's like it's kind of like in uh, oh, in Ice Age how friggin' uh, Scrat can never get that friggin' nut. 
That's like that. How they never can. How Jessica and Simon can never ever sit down and have a full pancake breakfast. It just seems like it, there's always something that gets in the way. So you know they're 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 chit chat chit chatting and they're sitting down to eat their pancakes. As soon as they eat their pancakes, of course they you know there's a an alert. You know code three twelve location Earth unauthorized alien blah. And Simon and Jessica fly out of there. Um, so they go to California and they're dealing with this. This is a weird thing too. It kind of looks like it kind of looks like the thing in Ultron jammed into one rocky body, uh, almost like the Abomination's face too, or even Tomar Ray in rock form. But but guess, Balrog. Yeah, that's another that's another possibility. And guess what? This thing's not even a sentient. It is it is an asteroid automaton, whatever the f that is. <laughs> give give him thumbs up for coming up with a cute term at least. It's like what the hell what. You know, well, I don't know. Uh, so, <clears throat> I mean, Cy- Cy- Cyborg uh, checks in, tells him basically from the Watchtower, if you need help, you know, we kind of like have the Flash and Wonder Woman on standby. Chris Simon, before he even gets knows what he's dealing with entirely, just says, oh, no, we got this. Don't worry about it. Uh, Jessica and Simon start, start dealing, you know, start dealing with uh, this automaton here. And um, they kind of have a flashback to John Stewart, kind of like telling them that, hey, you know, you, you guys have done pretty well on Earth, but you know, Earth is you know it's one one planet in your entire sector, so basically branch out of your comfort zone, yada yada. Um, so you know, was, you know, Je- Jessica was kind of like, kind of like off doing her own her own thing briefly, leaving Simon to kind of like deal with the automaton all by himself, but of course Jessica shows up again, helps Simon take him out. Uh, they create two energy constructs, you know, take, and they and they clobber this thing into, and somehow that stops it. Uh, and, you know, Jessica's like, the emergency crew's got the rest. We, it's like, we can, hey, we can get pancakes now, and Simon's like, no, we gotta make a stop first. So they go back to Dearborn, Michigan, and of course, unfortunately for Jessica, you know, there's this house party going on, and of course, Jessica doesn't entirely freak out, but she's afraid she's going to freak out because of her anxiety. And you know, Simon shows up, and and everybody's all seemingly happy to to see him, except for uh, his sister. Uh, Sierra's not entirely happy. Uh, Nazir's not entirely happy about Simon. And they, of course, Nazir and Simon, being mature as they are, they pretty much say nothing to each other at first, and then start yelling at each other. And you know, she. Eventually, uh, Sierra pretty much uh, lo- locks them into the bathroom, and which is kind of a, I, I did, it's just naturally set up this way for I guess because it's a party and you know people are going to need to use the bathroom. I think that's kind of part of part of the attempted humor here to just put them in the like in the instead of locking them in a bedroom somewhere, let's lock them into the bathroom. And even and I don't necessarily think they react the normal way people do, would do in the bathroom. I don't think the first instinct for somebody would be to hop up on the sink. And for the other guy to literally stand in the walk-in shower, uh, I'm assuming it's a walk-in shower. Uh, it'd be even weird if he walked into the tub. <laughs> <laughs> but needless to say, uh, as soon as they're locked away, Sierra takes Jessica by the hand. And is like, hey, it's a party. Let's have fun. I kind of thought Sierra acted a little out of character a little bit in this um, issue. Uh, now we meet uh, uh, Tina, who is what's I guess Sierra's cl- uh, close friend. Uh, and 
I guess Cyrus talked about Jessica to Tina, and Tina's like, oh, you're the Jessica. And I was like, hey, you know, Simon was the annoying little brother, so if you want any dirt, just come to me. And she's like, really, what you got? And just conveniently enough, miraculously enough, they have that. <laughs> she's got a picture right, right ready <laughs> of Nazir and Simon, who don't look anything like Nazir and Simon. Uh, I guess back when, you know, all I do is party, all I do is party and stupid, you know, stupid T-shirts and advisors on and everything like that. And frosted tips. Yeah, frosted tips. It really in chains. It, it looks really <laughs> no, almost nothing like these characters. Uh, meanwhile, we get to, you know, the, the requisite, you know, two people knocking on the bathroom because they got to pee. And Simon and Nazir are just going off on each other. And, you know. Basically, Simon's accusing him of not being supportive and not understanding that he's got you know, a really important job. And Nazir's main point is, well, yeah, you have a lot of responsibilities, but your responsibilities are also to your family, and you pretty much have been shir shirking all those. You know, Simon pretty much has enough, and, and, and he leaves. At the same time, another kind of weird tangent that seemingly you know, Tina and Sira are trying to set up Jessica with, uh, with this guy, um, Keith. Uh, their banter is their banter is kind of kind of clever for a few minutes, and <laughs> until later on in the episode, it seems like <laughs> Keith is Keith Keith kind of has the Carol Ferris syndrome of just being completely fascinated by by Green Lan by Green Lantern Jessica Cruz, and not and, and not really caring about the individual who happens to be that character that superhero <laughs> at all. It's like I'm I'm just completely blinded by how they look in their suit and how they act. So that was a little that was a little so so. Um, we as a uh, the video of Simon and Jessica taking on the, you know, the 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 rock creature gets uploaded and people see it on the internet and then there's also a little video of uh, Simon and Jessica you know kind of like you know building a snowman you know with kids and this is, is it Simon's nephew was that nephew in in that video uh, I don't remember anymore if we had seen that previously. I uh, don't I, think so. I thought cause I thought they referenced I only because I thought. Um, no, those kids. Okay, I knew I knew Nazir referenced it. I just didn't know if, if it was a uh, anything more personal. But somehow, you know, them. I, I guess Simon, especially doing that good deed and just you know taking the time out, kind of like resonates a little bit with Nazir, of course, and his wife yelling at him, telling him that uh you need to get this resolved. Uh, <clears throat> meanwhile, Simon and Jessica are kind of like jet, mostly Simon's like flying around the earth, pretty much trying to avoid his responsibilities. And Jessica kind of catches up to him and says, you know, you can't face your own best friend. And now all of a sudden Simon's ready for pancakes. And it's like, it's like, it's like, what do you think? So, the, so Simon goes back and basically takes his medicine. He and Nazir kind of, kind of talk it out and I guess come, come to an understanding. Meanwhile, it seems like us, uh, Simon's sister there has a serious donut issue. <laughs> I guess I, I guess I guess she really should be kept away from sugar in high doses, which I guess is going to be even more bad news for Nazir later because she's on such a serious donut high. Uh, I kind of didn't like this whole little thing about the, about this about Guy Gardner Light, that kid coming in and kind of like yelling at them for those like, uh, no, where's the beer at and things like that, and then Jessica using the ring to kind of get back at him. It's not. I guess it's kind of cute, but I guess it's kind of it's also kind of like abusing your powers unnecessarily. As 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 they as they put a construct scorpion up the guy's leg and into his pants, so the guy literally, at least according to the story, has to take his pants off and go running off into the night in his underwear. 
<laughs> maybe it didn't have to be, but oh no 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 no. Uh, so now basically, you know, Simon Simon and Nazir kind of hug it out at the end as Nazir has to take his wife home and prepare for the uh, the, man, the maple glazed maniac at, uh, to come down. They go back to have you know Simon and Jessica go back I guess to have pancakes, and you know just as they're about to sit down again and, and have more of their pancakes, there's an emergency on planet Kyberuth, Ky- and it's like, damn. It's like, uh, this is that's this is most definitely in space. You up for it? And she goes, yeah, I'm a Green Lantern. This is what Green Lanterns do. And it's, then we have this little pseudo-cute banter, or supposed to be cute banter. You ready, partner? You know it, partner! Then they fly off into space. Hmm. Next, the Green Lantern's toughest challenge yet. Job hunt. Same with Sam Humphreys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, no, he wasn't that bad. I'm just giving him shit. I know. It's kind uh, of, I, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to come down at you at all, at all because it's not like – I mean, we've, I think we've been pretty much in, in unison about this run – his run overall. That's why it kind of it kind of struck me that you can't, all that vitriol coming out right away about <laughs> Humphreys. Let him burn him down. <laughs> Let that through you. <laughs> I was just being, uh, I know. what, sardonic? Is that the word? Yeah. Uh, no, no, but uh, so you can clearly tell in one of those panels, a Nazir is standing in a tub, not a walk-in shower. That'd be even worse. <laughs> um, and nice to see that other people don't invest in those stupid caddies and just set their, <laughs> their shampoo and bars of soaps and stuff along the side of the rim. <laughs> I think so. you're right. You're right. I'm seeing that scene now. Well, I think, in all honesty, I, in a standard tub, I mean, unless 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 you're going to buy a corner piece. <laughs> yeah, one of those corner pieces with yeah. the spring-loaded pole or whatever. Those never freaking work. They always slide off in the middle of the shower and hit you in the head. It's like, <laughs> why the hell would I do that? <laughs> I do have a corner piece, but the suction cups don't last, do move or come off depending on which ones you have. But yeah, that is old. That is old school. So, the, so that even makes the that even makes the reaction funnier but less natural. It's like like standing in the corner of the room, maybe leaning against the wall, stepping into the goddamn tub. <laughs> That's worse than the guy hopping up on the sink, which is asking a lot because because you never know how much weight it can support. But he might, he, he, he might as well have just closed the curtain, dude. Right. I don't even want to look at you. <laughs> or, or, t- close the curtain, take his clothes off when they turn the shower on. <laughs> so I gotta be stuck in here, or at least I'm gonna make good use of it. Oh. Uh, uh, going out with a thud. How old are Simon and Jessica and Nazir and, and, and them? I'm, well, isn't Jessica supposed to be like in her early 20s, mid 20s, max? I, I ask because you get all these adults or whatever, but then you get pictures of like when the kids, when those people are gathered around the cell phone to watch the Green Lantern footage. Look out! Hell yes, Green Lanterns. Those two rule so hard. Yeah, they're all like, they're all punk kids in that one. So um, yeah, so like, how old are they supposed to be? I, yeah, I did. Yeah, that is. I mean, but if it's just a house party, if it's just like a block party, then I guess that doesn't necessarily date them. If there's, you know, there's kids in the neighborhood, or I mean, they could still be in their mid twenties, and maybe the, the, the parents of these kids are like in their thirties. So I don't, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's harder to tell. And of course, the way these characters are drawn doesn't help because I mean, uh, and speaking of which, the art in this issue is not particularly 
awe-inspiring. Um, <laughs> at least when at least when they're not in Green Lantern uniforms. I mean, I don't think the art's particularly good. I don't think it's horrible when they're when they're in their Green Lantern uniforms, especially Simon. I don't think it's horrible, but I don't like the way Simon and Jessica are drawn uh, in this issue at all. Any of the main, any of the human characters, I don't think they're drawn particularly well. Um, I, I don't know. This it, it 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 was again like I kind of preface going in. This isn't the worst issue we've ever read. I mean, but it it is kind of like your standard filler, and it's kind of hard to have a filler to end your run. Um, I know it's trying to say. I know in a way it kind of resolves some. It, it does at least pseudo or temporarily maybe resolves some of the dynamics that Humphrey set into play, especially revolving around Simon and Je- I mean, Simon's, yeah, just Simon's family. Even though it's kind of funny, in the next couple of issues, we kind of, it kind of becomes clear that there are a lot of issues with Simon's family that still aren't resolved. But it's, so it's okay, but it's not like it's a thrilling read, and it's not like, you know, it's not like people really care all that much about what's going on in this. I mean, it's like, uh, and it's a fine line when you're trying to when you're trying to have established personal life for these characters. It is kind of hard. I mean, it it's naturally going to be less thrilling than their professional lives. But so I guess it has to be done to be somewhat realistic. But I just don't know if this was the way to do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't have anything to say about the issue. Quite honestly, I mean, there's really nothing here for me. I, and I'm not trying to be rude and or you know overhype or overplay my hand when I'm just joking around about Humphreys, but like I don't, I'm not really impressed by this. I do like I do like downtime issues sometimes, so I will say that that it's it's good that we have that, but I don't know, you know, it's just like. Uh, it's it's not an issue that works for me, but I am glad it exists. I guess is what I'm saying. No, I understand. Ah, uh, all right then. Uh, do you have anything else you want to say about it? No. Um. It would have been. It's dangerous to say this. I, it could have been. It, this me change my word. I was going to say it would have been. Let's say it could have been interesting if Humphreys had stayed on this book, like maybe another twenty-something uh, issues, to see how he would have pl- how he would have delved into more of the Volthoom, more of the Raimi stuff, to see how you know even uh, Frank and the Phantom Lantern stuff, because clearly, at least based on everything we've seen so far through in the Sealy run, that and plus what he said what he's already said that we're probably not going to be revisiting those characters or those those plot points anytime soon so and I kind of and that was the best part to me of Humphrey's of Humphrey's run those things so it is kind of I'm not going to say it's bittersweet because I don't think neither one of us were, were we were not loving his book we thought there were good things in it and there but but the, as we'll find out the Sealy stuff is not isn't off to a bad start it's just we got got to see where it goes you know once he gets once everything gets settled we'll have to see if it's and at the end of the day he still has the he still has the unfortunate burden of writing a book about two characters that many people feel shouldn't be carrying a book to begin with <laughs> and that's that's a that's a, that's ultimately 
probably going to be the ultimate albatross for anybody who writes this book is that a lot, m most Green Lantern fans don't think there should be a title about Jessica and Simon. So that's that's a hard thing to – but that's about it. All right. Green Lantern is number 33, work release part one. I'm actually going to review 33 and 34 – or uh, rather recap – 33 and 34, the entirety of the work release uh, story arc uh, together before we do our re uh, recap of it. I mean, our review of it. Um, so this particular story arc is the beginning of our new creative team. We have uh, Tim Seeley as our writer, Eduardo Panseca as our pencils, uh, inks by Julio Ferreria, uh, uh, colorist Alex Salazzo, Letter Dave Sharp, cover by Ricardo Federici and Tomo Mori, uh, variant cover by Brandon Peterson, assistant editor Andrew Morito, and my editor Mike Cotton. Um, let's see here. So we open up with an alert from uh, from uh, John Stewart. Sector two eight one four priority distress call from Central Battery Command. This is Corps Leader John Stewart. The star in uh, Mortalam 27 system is approaching Supernova's Type 2 stage. All life on its solitary inhabited planet C873, a.k.a. Mole, M-O-L, is endangered. Uh, uh, Simon says, uh, Supernova John seems kind of late now, doesn't it? What were you guys up to the other 10, 100 million years? Life on Mole is subterranean and was only recently discovered by an Ungaran exploratory team. Uh, so they respond, show up, uh, and are about to start doing their thing. Then we cut back to last week in Oregon, where uh, Jessica is going to her therapy session, in which her therapist at the very end says, you're adjusting pretty well, but I think it's time you should get a job. Then back over on Mole today, we see Simon and Jessica, um, Realizing the gravity of the situation. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, uh, clever. <laughs> and uh, saying they got to get out of there pretty quick. Uh, but the Molites live basically 3.8 miles underneath their present location. So they go swimming through the magma to uh, get down to the bottom. And as they're on their way, we cut back to Dearborn, Michigan last week. Uh, Simon is in the garage tinkering with an engine, and his sister Sierra comes upon him and says, uh, what the hell happened to all the laundry we were supposed to do? And, well, with all the stuff really going on, I didn't have time. She's like, but you did have time to play with your toys. But it's not a toy, it's an engine. And once I get this done, and she said it'll be even even louder excuse. Uh, it's just like this when you were kids. You know, if you don't want to do what little I ask of you, that's fine, but don't. I don't think I can continue to let you be a poor example for your nephew. You're going to have to contribute. You need to get a job. He's like, I'm the friggin' interstellar protector of Sector 2814. Get a job that pays rent. Find something, Simon, or I'm going to have to ask you to find another place to live. Uh, back over in uh, out, outside the planet Mole, we see an Ungaran ship uh, waiting uh, above the surface to in space to receive all the Molites. Uh, for essentially an extra extraction plan, we see um, Regent Athene Vok, and she brought her daughter along, Lizeth, uh, to kind of show what the uh, Ungarans can do 
Basically, they say, you know, Oliver Ngara owes a great debt to the Guardians and the Green Lantern Corps. My world's Avan Sir bequeath his ring to your Earth's Hal Jordan, ensuring our two planets are forever intertwined. We are here to receive you. Are the Molites ready for embarkment? And Jessica says they will be as soon as we can convince them not to die. Um, uh, and Simon and Jessica are pleading with their pod father, Bob. <laughs> I like um, pod father. Uh, basically to get the hell out of there. But he says, no, uh, this is our world. This is essentially our God. It birthed us and we will die alongside it. Essentially, if that's the will of their God. Um, We cut back to uh, Portland, Oregon, two days ago. The lovely Stump Cafe. That's a place that's what I'd want to hang out in. I'm going to have to look that up because I've been to Portland and that doesn't sound like a unrealistic name it's it's unrealistic i'm just saying it's not an attractive name the lovely stump um but anyway so uh jessica is there uh on an interview um she's going through he notices that there's a four-year gap in her resume so she explains all that which is definitely what the hiring manager wants to hear and then we come back over to mall where Jessica is keeping the ceiling from collapsing in while Simon tries to plead um, uh, plead with them. And uh, Jessica says, uh, you know, can't we just, you know, politely force these people to get out of here? No can do, Jaybird. Uh, the prime directive. <laughs> uh, code 88912 uh, expressly forbids the violation of indigenous religious beliefs in service of a rescue or, a, okay, I get it, geez. Um, communicates with uh, Regent Vok on the Ungaran ship, and right as she does, the ship is uh, uh, not attacked, but it, uh, the, the sun that's going supernova emits some gamma rays and high-energy particles that kind of break apart part of the ship, uh, the shields fail, so on and so forth. We gut packed we cut back to earth two days ago in Detroit, Michigan, where Simon is on a job interview to become part of a pit crew. Uh, and he's explaining his situation in terms of the mis- quote unquote misunderstanding about him being a terrorist and so on and so forth. Uh, back on, uh, mole Simon, uh, flies off to help the Ungarans while Jessica tries to convince the, uh, Molites to get the hell out of there. Um, the ceiling collapses even further, and she uh, keeps it and essentially says, Jess, you're dangerously uh, close to straining the weight limit for an emerald construct. How much am I holding? One-eighth of the planet mass of Maul. Approximately 1.5 times 10 to the 23rd kilograms, or 40 sextillion Thanksgiving turkeys. <laughs> um Simon tries to uh, – he gets up to the, the Ungaran ship, and he sees that, uh, for the most part, everybody's okay except for Lizeth, uh, which is uh, uh, Regent Vok's daughter. Uh, she's been mortally wounded, and she's singing her little song as she's about to pass away, and it says, Next, the weight of the world. Uh, Green Lantern's 34 – picks up where we left off uh, with the same creative team. Uh, Simon, uh, not Simon, John and Salak are checking in to see what's going on. Jessica updates him saying, you know, different orders, by the way. 
Oh, yeah, different artist, uh, Ronan Cliquet, uh, with Colorist Hi-Fi. Uh, work release part two, uh, uh, she's uh, updating on what's going on. Then back at the lovely stump. <laughs> the lovely stump. Uh, in Portland, Oregon. Yesterday, she uh, Jessica's been called back uh, for, I guess, a second interview and saying, instead of being a waitress, we're going to have you start slow and you're going to work in the kitchen for a bit. Um, then back aboard the military transport, we learned that in about 128 seconds, uh, Lizeth is going to die. So since uh, Regent Fox says, uh, I requested she accompany me on this mission, I issued the order to advance. I'm responsible for her death. Commodore, uh, you will complete the mission. I will join my child in the, in the world's unknown. And she's about to uh, – what's that? Is it called Harry Carey? Yeah, is that I was, it? I was exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Uh, commit Harry Carey, and he's like, no, you don't have to die, and neither does your daughter. He uses his kind of magic healing powers, which we still don't know how the hell that works, and this is issue 34, but whatever. Um, we won't put that on uh, on Tim Seeley just yet. Uh, and um, magically heals the Zeth. Um, and she's like, well, you shouldn't have been able to do that. Uh, I She's, he's, yeah, I'm different. Why? I don't know. Try not to think too much about it. Sometimes neither, I figure, neither do we. <laughs> yeah, supposedly. Uh, sometimes I figure maybe I'm special, but mostly I think maybe it's the ring trying to make up for all I have, the pain I've caused. Come on, we've got a job to do. Uh, then yesterday in Dearborn, Michigan, Simon is called back, but he, this time he's being turned down because, um, to make a pit crew work, you need people who move together like one cohesive unit. You need to do that. You need speed, sure, but more than that, you need trust. With your record, well, it doesn't matter whether or not you had any part of terrorism or not. It's just like you said. My guys look you up. They see that word. They see the tattoo on your forearm. I asked you to come here because I thought it would be cowardly to tell you that by phone. I'm not proud, but that's the way it is. And I wanted to give you this season pass. Come on down to see us when it watches anytime. Just keep your distance. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and here's a restraining order. Uh, watch from outside bleach, the fence. Bleach your seats. Nosebleeds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Planet Mole. Um, the ceiling is collapsing in pretty even more. Um, the Podfather is telling them, uh, telling Jessica to stop saving them. Um, he gets uh, he, Simon communicates with her, and we, we're gonna uh, we're gonna need to shuttle the Molites off world because the ship was damaged too far to get down uh, onto the planet to carry them off. <clears throat> and um, Jessica says, "Ring maintain constructs." Uh, at my voice, hey, listen up! I know you think your world wants to die wants you to die along with it. You think you have to abide by that honor, the by that to honor the gifts it's given you. But here's the thing: maybe you're just interpreting it wrong. What if the core above wants you to honor it by surviving? What if it doesn't want your faith to bind you to this planet? What if it wants you to spread your love for the world that birthed you across the universe? Don't disappoint the core. It sheltered you for too long to let you die. You need to let me help you. You need to help yourself. Let that let the rope that binds you be used as a lifeline. And Simon says that was the cheesiest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> but it works, and they shuttle the Molites off-world. 
and into the ship. Um, and uh, Regent, uh, the Regent tells her daughter Lizeth, you know, this is what we're here for. You know, um, <clears throat> Abinsur showed us there's a new way. He was a champion for us all, for the universe. And when he died, he passed his legacy onto another Hal Jordan of Earth. Now when we follow Abinsur's lead, we must share our power with the universe. We must be a champion for all. When my generation passes, you will take up our legacy, Lizeth. You are the future of Ungara. Uh, <clears throat> cut back over to uh, Ungara, and Lizeth is holding a concert. She's actually a famous singer on their planet. Uh, and Simon and Jessica are backstage with Podfather, with, with the Podfather. <laughs> and... Uh, Simon and Jessica say their parting words, and Lizeth comes and gives Simon a hug, says, thank you for healing me, and maybe when you come back, I can thank you more properly. Um, the highlight of the whole issue for Simon. <laughs> it should be, anyway. <clears throat> Which he says, hey, not bad for a guy who can't get a job, huh? <laughs> to Jessica on their way out. Uh, she says, I'm sorry, you were so excited. Um, uh, <laughs> out, out here, we're beings who overcome great fear to battle back evil's might with emerald light. No matter how bright the day or how dark the night. Back home, we're two brown people with bad resumes. <laughs> and then uh, over in some back alleys in Ungara, um, somebody, uh, uh, Com- Commodore Pist, uh, Pist, whatever. Dead. Uh, Commodore dead. <laughs> yeah, Commodore dead. Um, uh, meet someone called Kesh Kerr says, you had another job, Commodore. Instead, those disgusting pod people take up land, water, and oxygen meant for the proud people of Ungara. He says, I'm sorry. We tried. We planted a virus in the shield computers with a lantern stepped in. It's not our fault, but we can use this to our advantage. We can use this to show the people that all of Ungara's ills are the fault of the Green Lantern Corps. And he says, all right, and then shoots him in the head. Thank you for your dedication to the cause. And then over in Dearborn, Simon and, and uh, Sira are talking over the phone. Simon has moved out, and he is living in the Lantern Sector House in 2814. And Jessica sets an alarm on her ring to go to sleep because um, she's got to go to work. And she says, it's something they focus on other than my anxiety, and more importantly, it's a, it's a responsibility other than being a Green Lantern. No offense, ring. It'd be kind of nice to do something without you for once. And then, of course, Jessica, of course, as some, she's asleep and some green energy comes out of the ring and hovers above her. Yeah, that's kind of creepy. And then over, I'm sorry? Yeah. And then over in a uh, used car lot, we see Bullfunga hollering at a wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube bab. And he says, you dare smile and carry on with your insipid joy dance, then face the full and fearsome fury of Bullfunga the Unrelenting. And then next, the Ballad of Bullfunga. <laughs> Which is an interesting arc, though I don't necessarily know if I like their take on Bullfunga. Um, Me neither. But uh, I, but it, but for, I only read the first the first two thirds so far, and it, and, it, and it's an interesting read. But like we'll get into it, like we just kind of talked about, essentially that they do they do a little they do a little Jeff conning of, of who Bullfunga is and everything, and that part I don't like. But focusing on 33 and 34. Uh, <clears throat> I like that we I like I like that we're doing 2814 stuff, and I like that we have that of all things Tim Seeley chose to work with Ungara. Yeah, that's cool. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think I think that was pretty cool. Um, I liked I liked 33 more than 34 because I think. Why is that? Well, first of all, I like the art a lot better. I like the art in thir- the the art in 33. I thought it was, there was a lot more there's a lot more detail in the art. Uh, I actually thought Simon and Jessica, while they look a little different, Simon looks more different. But I think it, but based based on their ethnicity, I think those characters are drawn more to how they really should look. Even when he when Simon's talking with Sierra on that part in Michigan and when he's working on the engine, I think they are more accurately portrayed. Uh, <clears throat> now, I I I, I kind of hate the idea of Jessica's therapist looking like she's ten years younger than Jessica. That that kind of kind of bothered me. The little I hate to use millennial, but it kind of but she kind of looks like she's like. Or, like barely twenty-year-old therapist is what she kind of looks like, uh, but she's drawn. She looks like your typical chick in Portland. Yes, I was. I, yeah, I was also gonna. To be fair, I was gonna throw that in the fact that she's not necessarily dressed inappropriately for where she lives, but it's uh, <clears throat> and she's beautifully drawn. I mean, she's attractive the way just the way she's drawn is beautiful in general. But so I just I just didn't like. I think she could have been. She could have looked a little older, but maybe just that's kind of what they were going for. Maybe like more like a peer kind of thing, or just the fact that Jessica's kind of <clears throat> I don't know. I just but either way, the art. The, I just think the art is really is really good. I thought even with the stuff with the Ungar the Ungarans and everything and <laughs> and the Molites, the Molish, the Molarians. <laughs> uh, they're cute. Uh, yeah, I just thought the I thought the artwork in general was really really good in in 33. So I think that like, to me that's a I think that's a big that's a big plus. What do you think of the uh, prime directive type of storyline here? I th- I th- it, it's not really surprising uh, on one level. I mean, you can make a case that yeah, there should be protocols. You know, if somebody if if. But I guess I guess it's ultimately respecting individual choices. I mean, it, it, I think it might be different if the people were screaming to get off the planet and, and the leader were saying, "No, you have to stay and die." Then there might be then that might be something different, where then the ring would not, you know, there might be protocols to deal with that. But if everybody collectively wants to stay where they are and die, it's kind of hard to go against their collective will, no pun intended, to take them to take them off world. Uh, I did, even though on some level was a little heavy-handed. I did kind of like the way bo- the lessons that both si- the Jessica and Simon were were learning in their little personal lives and their therapy session slash and interviews and conversations with their relatives and blah 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 blah. That all that stuff kind of ties into like the end of the arc, especially with Jessica using a, some of her own therapist lines to to convince the uh, the Molites that it's time to get out of Dodge. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. It was interesting. Like I said, my, my primary reason for enjoying it was the fact that we're working with Ungara. Um, I do like, uh, it felt a little bit slow, just, but, uh, you know, just in terms of how long Jessica's holding everything up from collapsing and, and so on and so forth. Um, I don't like always having to come back to uh, xenophobia as, as a plot device. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, we get that a lot on places like Kurgar or Daxum, uh, but to see it happening in, on, on uh, Gara, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like 
there should be a place in the universe that's free of <laughs> of uh, of all bigotry or, or whatever. You know, every place has their problems the same way we do. But it seems like more often than not, when we're involved with an alien planet, uh, an alien, you know, telling a storyline involving alien peoples, we always come somehow back to xenophobia as the main issue. And it's just like, heh, I kind of seen that done so many different ways, uh, especially within the Green Lantern titles in the past, not just, you know, in recent memory, but it's happened several times before uh, with older Green Lantern stories. You know, it's, you know, it's just kind of a pain that we have to keep coming down this well-worn path, albeit well-worn on other planets, but still, we've addressed this before. Can we figure something else out? <laughs> Um, not some plot to overthrow the rulers. Yeah. Or, you I mean, know, at, least, at least on the bright side, hopefully, I mean, at least as of now, we're just hoping that, uh, and, and you have to have it, his name has to be Kerr, so you have to throw the dog in his name to make him, so make us automatically know the guy's bad. That <laughs> <laughs> at least we don't, it doesn't, it doesn't look like at the moment, I, as far as I know, because I'm winning issue behind, that doesn't look like he's related to Abin Sir. So as long as he's not related to, to Abin Sir, at least we're not kind of like going down that, and that kind of like the whole road again, like we did with uh, whatever his name was. What was it? The, what was the hell was his son's name? Um, oh, Amon Oh, Amon Sur. Yeah, yeah. At least we're not going. At least we're not going down, you know, that road again with uh, like where it bec- it becomes so so much more relevant because it's because they're kind of like. Uh, they're related to a character that we care about, and, that's, and this new character is trying to crap on his legacy too. But I know I know what you mean. I, I agree. I think I think when I when I read that part at the end of the issue, I wasn't I wasn't really thrilled with that either. But other than that, um, I do. You know, I I don't. It's it's I guess it's kind of a spoiler. Uh, but given where they go with the Lizeth character, uh, based on issues that have already come out, it's interesting that they took the time to make us like her so much. Here, they—I mean, they—to be fair, they don't do a out and out 180. They're hinting at things in, in issues to come down the line. But I—I I do like that the that in this case, just be on, on the sheer fact that we were. Not so far behind, but we're behind the way we are. Reviewing these now, knowing where things are headed, it's just interesting to see the uh, amount of time we invest in getting to know this character positively, uh, her upbringing, who she had influencing her life, and so on and so forth, and yet see and learn some of the things about her personally and her viewpoints um, that we learn later on. So that's interesting to me. I don't know if you've read or, or know what I'm referring to, but I'm kind of guessing most of that is uh, in the one issue I didn't get, right? Uh, I don't know what issues what, what issue it's it's in. Uh, it's one of the more recent ones. Because I, I, did, I didn't remember picking up on a lot of Lissette stuff in the first two parts of Bullfunga, but maybe I overlooked it. But 
Okay. I'll go back and I'll wait till once. Well, obviously I'll have to reread it soon anyway because we'll be we'll be doing the Bolfunga arc. So once I pick up the third, the final part, then I'll go back and. But maybe the maybe the cover of uh, 34, the standard cover, kind of gives you the hint of but beware, Lisseth, she's gonna steal your heart. Maybe there's you know maybe they're kind of implying right there that there's a problem with her. Because <laughs> that's the way I took it. As soon as I saw that, it's like oh she's 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 not gonna be a good character, but yet there's nothing really in the issues. The issues up to that point that made you think that she was going to be a problem, right? Which I like is, is what I'm pointing out. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, I don't have much else to say about this. Uh, I do think it's a good start for Tim Seeley. Um, given what you were saying earlier, in terms of you know these are two lanterns that nobody really cares about. Uh, it's nice. I mean, in general terms, I mean, I mean, we care a little, but I know what you mean. I, I don't want, but I just don't want to make it. I know it's essentially what I said. I mean, but I just don't want to make it. I just want to make it clear that it's not. You know, it just seems that in the big picture, I mean, they would be pretty low on people's list, especially if you were going to have a second book. These would not be the two characters people would be voting to put probably either one in a, in a book or a team book, let alone a, you know. So, but yeah. But uh, regardless, I think it's a good way to get his feet wet. You know, just tell a two eight one four story. Just to have have the Green Lanterns that you have in your book. Do what Green Lanterns are supposed to do. You don't have to kick off some huge arc or anything, but just get your feet wet by telling this story. I like that. Yeah, I li- I, I like the arc. I think you know all things all things being equal, I I liked it. I thought it was uh, I thought it was pretty good. So for sure. All right. Do you have anything else to say before we? Uh, you know, wrap talk up. about whatever we want to wrap up, talk about whatever we want to talk about, I guess. Oh, you mean anything more about these issues? Yeah. Okay, because that's why you were saying uh, no, uh, no, I think overall, I mean, it was a relatively smooth transition, uh, at least at this point, into the into the Seeley run. As it plays out, like I said, I think we're going to see more of the fact that a lot of the open-ended, a lot of the stuff that clearly was important to Humphreys as far as over – you know, his over the overarching concepts and characters he wanted to deal with, besides Simon and Jessica, of course, that these are going to be things that Seeley really doesn't care about, and that may not make the maybe it makes the book better, or may and maybe it'll be for the better in the long run too, because by the time we pick up back at, on some of these points, maybe it'll make it worth the wait. You know, it, it, the fact that we're having a little break from it make you know might make it better, but I think overall, yeah, I think he's he is hitting the hit the ground running for the most part and it's uh even the bullfunga thing even though you know we'll obviously chad and i seemingly kind of like on the same page i think about some of the issues we're gonna have with those issues but at least it was again it's it's an entertaining arc and it's and it's a little and it's a little you know it's kind of a little different so i think that's so far that's not that's not exactly a bad thing not at all you had some uh, other stuff you wanted to transition into? Yeah, just just ever so briefly, uh, especially since we spent friggin' like two hours talking about talking about Star Wars last week. Uh, the only thing I want to talk about with Star Wars, it's actually related to, and we can tie it into Green Lantern pretty easily too, is that you know Chad and I, and it's kind of maybe it's even more appropriate because not that I knew you were gonna, you know, jokingly, but it, that you were gonna kind of like be ripping Humphreys a new one <laughs> a couple of points in this episode. 
that, and you've said it eloquently before, and you know we were on the same page about it. That if there's something going on in these books that we don't like, you know, it doesn't mean that we're not fans. You know, we, or, or or we don't go from being fans to fans inside Air Bunnies because all of a sudden we don't like you know the, the current direction of the franchise or the brand or whatever. Now we haven't gotten. I don't think we've gotten a lot of heat from that, mostly because by luck of the by by luck of the draw, our opinion right now seems to I guess for the most part when it comes to the let's say the rebirth era, DC rebirth era, I think most it seems like most people are kind of in agreement with us. The consensus opinion probably is more on our side than oh yeah this stuff is great, but but the point is that it's still an opinion, and even if we were taking the opposite view of what the majority were thinking it doesn't mean we're any less fans or doesn't mean we're haters or it doesn't mean we hate you know the we are we hate you know our property you know it doesn't change our view on we're still you know we still love green lantern we just don't happen to like this arc or this run or whatever and the reason why that's relevant is because to me I, and you know, chad said something to me before you know which kind of like made me feel better in a way just because it kind of justify why I wanted to bring this up that when it comes to Last Jedi clearly, I mean the one thing that there's not a lot of agreement out there about this movie, but the one thing that probably should be in agreement, at least objectively speaking, is that the movie is relatively divisive in just because of the fact that some people like it some people don't like it, there seems to be a pretty vocal side defending it, a pretty vocal side attacking it but I mean overall especially if you look at just the audience like if you look at the audience score numbers, just using as and Rotten Tomatoes isn't the only one, but if you look at comparing the audience score for you know there's a Rotten Tomatoes on Last Jedi is a 51, and the audience score was 88 for Force Awakens. So, so and the, the critic score for Force Awakens was only 93. So pretty much they were almost in you know lock and step, the audience and the fans. And the audience in this critics, excuse me, for Force Awakens, and that's clearly for what for whatever reason it's it's not the case for Last Jedi. That's and that's fine. The base and the basic point is you can have different opinions and it doesn't mean that side A is absolutely wrong or side A, you know, are there idiots and so this, the, the, let's attack everybody who think, who doesn't agree with us, destroy the messenger so that means their message is irrelevant because we see a lot of that in society in general today whether it's politics or other stuff. It's like, oh, we can't – every we love we love opinions as long as they agree with us, and then if not, then, oh, my God, they should – then they, they hate us. So there's a – they, or we hate them, and they should shut up, or there's a conspiracy. Now there's you know there's either a conspiracy on one side. All the critics are propping this movie up or tearing it down, depending what movie it is. Or now there's – or, like, there's a conspiracy posting negative reviews for Last Jedi, which doesn't make a lot of sense because you would have to have a core of your audience would want to hate – really want to hate your franchise, to hate the franchise that they're supposedly fans of. I'm not saying there aren't some fringe people that just want to make it look, but I think Chad and I have both seen enough comments on social media to know there's a lot of people that like it, there's a lot of people that don't like it, and there's the extremes, people who think it's the greatest thing ever made, the people who think there's nothing good in it. Chad and I, I think, are kind of like, we're, we're in the middle on opposite sides, but we're kind of in the middle. Chad likes it, but had issues with it. I liked it. I mean, I didn't like it overall, and I'm seeing it again tomorrow, so maybe my opinion will change a little. I didn't like it, but I saw some good in it. But either way, it's opinions, and it doesn't make you less of a fan if you actually went in and liked this movie and you didn't like it. It's just, it's you know, just like it's 
and it, a lot of it comes from perspective. Like Dan said, you know, if Dan had a different perspective on on the franchise than I did based on his viewing habits and his age. He's closer to you in age, but you had a different viewing habit of Star Wars too. So you're more, you know, you're more, you're not attached to the prequels at all, but you were really attached to the original three. So depending on your what you're bringing to the table, that will greatly influence maybe how you view the movie, and that's that's part of that's part of art. You know, you kind of what you're what you're bringing in also influences what you're getting out of it. So I just think people just need to remember that it's okay to have differing opinions, and just because somebody doesn't like something, they have a right not to like it. It doesn't mean they're necessarily haters. It doesn't mean they're necessarily wrong. It doesn't mean that they're necessarily right. It just means that they have they have differing differing opinions. I mean. You have a right to express your viewpoint, people, but, like, if you hated The Force Awakens, your job, not The Force Awakens, uh, the, if, if you hated The Force Jedi, the, the, the Last Jedi, your job isn't to make everybody else hate it. If you liked The Last Jedi, your job isn't to make everybody else like it. If you want to talk about it and explain why you like it yeah, or why you hate yeah, it, healthy that's totally good. fine. But if they hate it and you like it, who cares? <laughs> right. Not, very nicely put. <laughs> because, yeah, I mean, we just have to move beyond just always, oh, you know, if, if Group B doesn't agree with us, then there's something wrong with Group B. We hate Group B. Their opinions don't matter. They're idiots anyway, so who cares? You know, it's like, hey, you know, the reality is, like I said, this movie, I mean, it's, it's, it's not, it's, div- it's, it's a lot of. Pa- I mean, it's, it's brought out a lot of strong opinions. I mean, it's and if nothing else, it's a movie that, from a Star Wars perspective, that people will, are going to be talking about and probably for a while because of how the reaction has been different and how it is divisive. And I don't mean that it's necessarily was designed always to be divisive. Um, though clearly, Ryan Johnson did kind of want to throw up up in the apple cart by design going in by based on some of the things that he said dealing with certain characters. But still the point is, you know, it's it's just the way it is. I mean not everything not everything is going to people take tif- different things out of it. When Terminator Genesis came out, I loved Terminator Genesis. Almost everybody I went to see Terminator Genesis with really, really liked it. But a lot of people hated Terminator Genesis. And a lot of people said, Oh it's crap and blah 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 I mean it's like and I could point out, you know, why I liked it, but they have a right to not like it or not get it. You know, some people with like Terminator, some people, anything that Jim Cameron didn't direct, they were not going to like anyway, or they thought that that was the real end to the series, and nothing else really should should have been done. And that's not the only reason not to like any of the, the movies that have followed or be selective, selectively dislike. But you know, that's a that's another mindset. Some people think like that's some people's perspective, and that's fine. You're never going to please. You're never going to please anybody. And yes, we all love to – deep down, we all love to be in the majority. We all love to have people pat us on the back and say, yeah, we agree with you, or at least the people whose opinions and who you and the people you care about to have their opinions you know, match yours because it kind of validates you. Yeah, it's human nature to want that, but there's going to be people that disagree with you. You, it, you can have healthy debate about something and you know, make the pro and con on it. But don't make it personal and don't think that, oh, just because somebody doesn't agree with you, they're wrong. Or just because they agree with you, that means, yeah, that means I'm – that just proves that I'm – that the other side's you know, completely wrong or the other person arguing against me is an idiot. It's just be, 
be civil, be respectful, be adult. That's pretty much, I guess, the gist of all this. (laughs) (laughs) Works for me. Works for me, too. All right, guys. This is the last episode of 2017, and next episode will be our first episode of 2018. We've got a lot of cool stuff planned, including crossovers with podcasts we've talked about on the show relatively recently. And our first episode of the new year will be one that's not unfamiliar to you when we begin a new year. (laughs) We're going to be talking about our top five movies we're looking forward to in 2018, which it sounds like this is a popular topic for us (laughs) based on... You know, the amount of different people that bring it up some uh, in, in, like, episode 300 and so on and so forth, so. Which is good. I mean, I like, I like, I mean, I like the fact that, again, talk about, you know, opinion, whether it's majority or minority. It's good that at least some people enjoy, I mean, it's good that some people enjoy when we go out, move beyond the, outside the box. <laughs> because, as we've talked about before, sometimes we have, you know, we have to do that. We, you know, we We'd like to talk. Obviously, it's a Green Lantern podcast, so 90% of what we talk about is going to be related to Green Lantern. Nine out of every ten episodes, at least, is going to be Green Lantern based on some some way, shape, or form. But you know, it, it's healthy to be able to do stuff that we want to do, and we have other interests. And it seems like it's kind of like a nice tradition. We started it, and it's good to know that at least, at least as far as you know, the the founding fathers of the Lantern cast go, they appreciate it when we kind of do topics like that. I think. I think at least partly because, again, anything that we're passionate about helps, you know? I think that makes for a better episode. Uh, so I think it doesn't have to be ranting, but anything we're passionate about and ha- – and, and so – and it's a, fun, it's a fun episode to always look forward to. And I think this one from just based on, on just initial banter between Chad and I, I think this one, this one should be an interesting episode be- because I don't necessarily – I think that our t- our top five list might surprise people, and I think there's going to be a whole lot of stuff kind of like sandwiched in the middle for us this year. I think there's going to be a lot – there's going to be maybe – I can't guarantee there will be less stuff that we absolutely are not looking forward to on the cra- in the monkey crap list. But I don't think it's – for me personally, I think it's going to be much harder to get to a, to get a top five. When like last year especially, it was like a definitely – I think it was a top ten, and then it was like whichever ones Chad didn't want or we traded off some, some – some movies, so he would have some, and I would. This year, I think, is going to be very different. So I think it'll make for a, should make for a more entertaining. Well, hopefully, it'll make for an entertaining. I can't promise it'll be more entertaining, but it should be entertaining. <laughs> for sure. So in preparation for that episode, take a look at the the uh, movies coming out in 2018. Um, maybe tweet us your own uh, personal top five lists or. Uh, I know I've already completed all my work for that episode. I've got a printed out list and got my top five, my list of alternates that I'm interested in just didn't make the top five. I've got uh, my three pounds of monkey crap list, which (laughs) the way I've always interpreted that, and I don't know if Mark interpreted interprets it the same way, but the way I've always interpreted it is movies I really don't care that much about will but will probably end up seeing anyways <laughs> in some way shape or form uh <laughs> yeah and for me and for me for me that it's usually my if I, there is any criteria to it it's usually these are movies that i have absolutely no interest in seeing and probably am not going to see at least in the theater <laughs> probably <laughs> there may be on occasion there may, there may be something like i think like i think maybe I think Deadpool may have made my list. 
if not, if it didn't make my list, the original, it was in the middle of the road. It was on the verge of it. But if Deadpool did make my monkey crap list, it kind of was something I knew I was going to see. So I must, I think that there probably have been, just look, looking back objectively, I'm sure there have been movies on my list that I probably knew I was going to see or ended up seeing. But I think usually my criteria is stuff. Like, as an example, like Bumblebee. There's no way on God's green earth I'm going to see Bumblebee in the theater. So that might make the monkey crap list, and if it does, that's why I would make it because I have no, <laughs> I have absolute no interest in seeing that movie in the theater. But so, given the choice, if all things were equal, I will pick the ones that I absolutely have no interest in the fact that they even exist. Those will probably <laughs> be the ones to most likely to make that list. <laughs> but uh, that's a little sneak peek at 2018, and. Uh... Like I said, send us your list in advance, uh, and uh, you know, maybe we can talk a bit about that on the show, depending on how long that episode goes. And uh, we got some stuff planned for for 2018. Um, we're already talking with other people about uh, JL May down the line. I'm not saying what topic that is uh, this year. I'm not going to spoil somebody else's idea, but uh, we are going to be a part of JL May this year. Um we do have other crossovers with other podcasts planned, and we're, of course, always working and looking for new topics. So we will talk to you guys in the coming year. And in the meantime, thanks for listening, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year, guys. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>